Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. Back with you guys tonight for another show. Marty Party, Doc, Elsie, and our special guest who we'll get to in just a second. Marty Party, we just finished another Underdog draft. Drafted together on the same team this week. Do you feel good about the squad? I do. I feel great about the squad, but more importantly, like those are a lot of fun to do. Like every single one I do, I have more and more and more fun. So it's a good, it's a good way to change it up from your standard roto or head to head, you know, points or whatever it is. It's a completely different ball game there. Thirty second clock. We did a sixteen draft today, and uh, different type of ways of roster construction and uh, picking guys, getting exposure to different players. It definitely is a, a good time, and uh, we love doing those every week. Doc is also part of those drafts, but Doc is also here wearing his 49ers gear maybe in spirit with our special guest here doc are you going to bring the the winning tonight because you're wearing a losing jersey i can't even say anything your team won the super bowl that was that was good david i was i'm impressed you're never this witty i know i I don't don't expect too much of it Uh, lc with his baseball hat his normal triple play fantasy baseball hat on tonight he is ready to go with the smile on his face lc what's going on uh, I'm I'm just I'm stoked to talk about outfielders. I don't have a football jersey on. I can I put my my Brian Erlacher jersey on. It's then I'll be I'm wearing a UConn Husky shirt now. That's so random. It's, uh, I go it. Husky, but I don't have football jersey on. I feel left out. It's okay. Yeah, You're UConn. Like- UConn's awesome. <laughs> Uh, of course, for those that are watching on YouTube, you can see our special guest. For those listening to the podcast version, we welcome in a man that I would say is like the encyclopedia when it comes to sports knowledge. Why? Because he stumped the Schwab on an episode of Stump the Schwab. He is an MLB and NFL podcast host and columnist at Rotowire, an avid NFBC and NFFC player. He also is a hardcore fan of the A's, Warriors, Niners, and Cardinals. I did tell him that we would allow the floor to be open to express the, the, the displeasure with the 49ers recently. Although, before the show, he talked about the glory days before Doc was born when they were winning Super Bowls. You guys know who I'm talking about. It is the one and only Scott Genstad. How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I always love coming and talking with you guys. And uh, I don't have uh, I don't have too much displeasure. When you lose your quarterback on the first drive of the game, you just kind of chalk it up to it's just not meant to be. So I'm uh, I'm all right with it. I, uh, you know, didn't uh, season the Niners season didn't end exactly how I wanted to. But, uh, you know, when you make the NFC Championship game all the time. It, it happens. It's so that's so optimistic of you. I, it's I, I'm I was just expecting us to lose. It's just like rip my heart out when I'm when I'm close again. I don't think I'll ever know what it's like for a 49ers fan to win a Super Bowl and be happy. Yeah, I tell people a lot. They have like six losses in a row that are all like stomach punch, awful losses in a row that in like big either Super Bowl or championship games. So it's been a it's been a rough stretch. But as I was saying before we got here, I'm a lot older than you, so I got to appreciate the uh, the '80s Super Bowls. So it's a uh, it's hard for me to complain too much when we have a Lions guy in the podcast here. Scott, I just have one question: you, Have you have you cried during your time of being a 49ers fan, either from good or bad? Yeah, I think the one that really got me was um, the Ravens Super Bowl because like. 
we were, the game was over. They were dead once Jacoby Jones returned that kick. And then all of a sudden you come all the way back. I had a big party at my house. Everybody's going crazy. And to like to get all the way back and get to the top of the hill and just fall backwards. I think that was the most painful one for me. More than the the uh, Chiefs one. I feel like you guys had the 10 point lead. I never and- I never thought they were winning that game. That that's the game I might have cried because I had to watch it with David. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I I like I, they got the interception on Mahomes. I thought it was a chance, but like I always thought that Kansas City was gonna score a couple times late. But uh, that Ravens Super Bowl, just the way the emotion built up, I think was the one that really uh, really struck me the worst. Talking phone then that lives in Baltimore. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. that's tough too. And yeah, to lose well, to freaking Joe Flacco is just brutal. One of the best postseason runs of all time got him a life-changing contract just from that one Super Bowl run for sure. Um, but of course, obviously, you guys are tuning in to talk baseball. That's why you're here. But we have Scott, who is one of the best fantasy baseball minds out there, competes high stakes, talks about it on Rotowire all the time. Before we get into the topic tonight, Scott, are you optimistic that your Oakland A's could do anything this year? I am. Uh, I have zero optimism about that absolutely utter trash franchise right now. I am <laughs> disgusted. I'm disgusted by the ownership. I'm disgusted by the team. I'm pretty much disgusted by all of it. I've never. I've been a hardcore Ace fan my whole life, and I'm. Uh, I'm on the verge of it. If they move to Vegas, I think I'm out. I've never seen a team in baseball tank as bad as the A's have. Uh, it's just uh, they're not. E- I mean, they're not even keeping anybody that's talented on that team, and they're just giving rid of anybody. They don't care. They doubled season ticket prices last year too. They actively don't want people to come to games so they can prove a point. It's a uh, it's a horrible setup. The owners uh, the owners garbage. Well, Scott, I want to ask you really quick. Who what what team are you rooting for? If the uh, the A's really, it it's a really good question. Jeff and I talked about that a little bit. I don't really have an easy option. Um, I can't. Re- I live in L.A. I can't root for either of the L.A. teams. The, you know, the Angels are an A's rival, and I can't root the Dodgers. That's too easy. Padres would have been a good option, but like they're kind of like spending a bunch of money and good now. So I'm I'm kind of a free agent. If they move to Vegas, I might be a free agent. I don't know where I'll go. It'll be uh, it'll probably be just fantasy players at that point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be tough. I can't I can't do the Giants for sure. So I don't really have any options. Who's your favorite player that has not played for the A's? Uh, my favorite player who's never played for the A's is probably Nelson Cruz. Oh, he's played uh, so many teams. I was my first, uh, my first NFBC main event win. Uh, I took Cruz at his min pick, and he had a huge year. And I uh, ended up meeting him a couple years later, and kind of told the story about how he won for me. He was a really nice guy, really responsible. And I have a cool picture of my uh, my wife and 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 Cruz and I. So that's uh, it's probably my favorite player that was uh, that never played in the A's. I was going to say he would have been an easy, uh, if he had played for like one or two teams, be like whoever his team is. But uh, Nelson Cruz has played with too many for that to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Albert, what's going on, my man? Thanks for tuning in. And Vinny recommends you pick the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, Oh, that's not a bad, that's not a bad, uh, bad thing. I had, a, I had a friend who used to pitch for them, so that could, that could work out. All right. Well, tonight is our final episode of our outfield preview, our outfield part three preview. We're going to have a, uh, a lot of sleepers here. A lot of players, obviously, in this range that we're talking about tonight. You can get anyone you want because they're towards the end of your drafts. You can get a lot of exposure to these players. Some of them could be league winners. You never know, depending in the right situation. So we're going to kick things off with Scott. And for the range tonight, it's the last two weeks of ADP over on the NFBC, about 59 drafts over this time. And we are in the first range looking at outfielder 61 to outfielder 70. These picks range anywhere from 256 overall to about 298 overall. So again, this is where you're getting in that point in your draft here. Scott, who is the player you find drafting the most in this range? 
Sometimes synergy really works out well because I'm actually going to pick an A's player, believe it or not. I'm going to go uh, Esteri Ruiz coming over in a trade. Um, got a chance to play center field every day when that GM David Force was talking about the fact that he might play center field a bunch. Uh, they don't like Christian Pache. He can play defense, but he has, he's out of options. They I don't know what's going to happen there. He cannot hit. But you look at Ruiz, and I know everybody's been talking about him, but I, you look at the numbers, 85 stolen bases last year in 114 games. That is an absurd number. Um, hit 332 last year in the minors, too. So I'm like it came fully empty, and he's, he, he hit a few home runs, too. I think he had what uh, – you look at all three levels, he had 16 home runs. So it's not like a Billy Hamilton, you know, no pop kind of thing. Um, he's interesting. I think he's going to be a big helium guy in March. If he look, he's looking like he's playing, he steals a couple of bags in spring. I think everybody, like, if you need a bailout stolen base guy in the middle rounds, I think it's going to be Ruiz. But uh, I'm pretty intrigued. 98th percentile sprint speed. He can absolutely fly. Um, I think he's, uh, if, you, if you're behind in stolen bases, he's the guy to go to in this uh, in this range of 60 to 70. And the fact that they don't really have a lot of people to push him if he struggles. I mean, he was pretty much the crown jewel of the uh, the tr- was the um, what was it the Matt Olson trade or not the Matt Olson trade? The um, wh- I'm trying to remember where he uh, with the um, with the Milwaukee Brewers. Who was the trade for? I'm totally it was the, it was a three way trade with Murphy and uh, and the Murphy uh, trade. Will, William Contreras. That that's what I. It was the Sean Murphy trade. Yeah. That was the crown jewel back for them. But we don't forget we got Manny Pena in that trade. So that's really the linchpin of the whole deal. <laughs> when you can get a 56 year old catcher, it really changes your franchise. Oh man, I feel so bad <laughs> for the Oakland A's fans. I feel. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean he. It's not crazy to say he can lead the league in stolen bases if he even hits somewhat decently this year. Like, just if it, his bat is okay, he'll play every day. He could steal a ton of bases with the new rules, especially. So, I, I like taking a shot on him, especially in roto leagues. If, if you're playing in a points league, Scott, would you draft him at all? Uh, probably not. I don't think he's, I mean, we, I mentioned the pop from last year. I don't think that's really going to translate, but, uh, yeah, points league. Um, I'd have a different pick in this range, but a roto league, uh, I go Ruiz. You want a points pick too, or you want someone else to go? Oh yeah. Why don't we double dip? Give us, give us a points league for yeah, this. If range. I'm going points pick here, I'm going to go a couple spots down. I go Jorge Soler, a uh, big, mm-hmm. uh, big hard hit guy, uh, should play a decent amount uh, now in Miami. I know last year was rough. The strikeouts were up to, 29%, but you know, 23% the year before had 27 home runs. You don't worry much about batting average at a point. So you just want power. And I mean, he has that. You're talking about 12% barrel rate last year, even in the down year. So if I, I'm going points league, I, I'm going Solaire and I'd be pretty happy with it. This price. Yeah. I like that pick. Uh, hopefully he bounces back this year. Obviously you saw in a healthy season the year before they hit like 48 home runs during that time. So definitely someone that can give you a lot of power at this point in the draft, especially where power has become so scarce. It seems like, uh, so good pick with Solaire. Elsie, you definitely look a lot prettier now with your camera <laughs> off. So why don't you go ahead and you tell us. Nah. <laughs> you like the new Chicago Cub Trey Mancini in this range. Yes, I, I do like Trey Mancini. I think plate appearance projections for him a little bit low. I think he's going to be playing pretty much every day for the Cubs at DH or first base. If Eric Cosmer gets a ton of plate appearances, I'm going to punch Jed Hoyer in the face. I really am. I'd rather have Mancini man in first base and DH over there. And I really like, I think he's going to bounce back a little bit from his downtime in, in Houston where he hit only one set six over 165 at bats. Uh, his power was down last season. Part of that was Baltimore. Um, but so, so I think I expect a slight power from his season last year, the Baltimore stint and some batting average rebound. I think he's going to have a nice little bounce back season. He was hitting, 
He was hitting almost 270 in Baltimore before going and having that terrible run in Houston. So I think he's going to be pretty good for the Cubs, and I think he's going to get a lot of plate appearances. Are you worried about the emergence of Matt Mervis and potentially taking away some at-bats with him if Matt Mervis pushes the envelope a little bit? I'm not worried. I think Mervis would probably take more from Hosmer. <laughs> You're so delayed. His points are short into the sweet, short sweet to the point. Yeah, I think it's just this, this thing's cutting off. So let's we'll move on. We Doc, might a, we might need a five second count on him. <laughs> this is the best thing that happened to LC to limit his talking is bad Wi-Fi. Yeah, it, we put him in the. Uh, this is his punishment, um, Doc. You're also going a homer pick here because living in Baltimore, see the Orioles a lot. You like what Austin Hayes brings to the table at this range. I do. And Austin Hayes isn't somebody that's sexy from his player profile or when you look at his actual picture. But he's somebody that I think is going to be a steady contributor. He's increased the amount of games he's played, 33 in the shortened season, but 131 and 145. And the O's don't have much outfield depth. They've listed him, Mullins, who has been rumored to platoon, Santander, who is in trade rumors, and then Kyle Stowers, who is their fourth outfielder but starting DH. And he had a drop in home runs last year, 22 to 16. I think that was expected with the ballpark. I think those players are going to have a, a now kind of a better idea. They're looking to hit doubles or sell out for power. So I see a little bit of uptick in counting stats. And those probably have the best hitting lineup they've had in years. And I've talked about this throughout the season. Like it's going to be really exciting just going to the game. I don't think the starting pitching is going to be good, but I think there's going to be plenty of counting stat opportunities and you're getting him in the 61 to 70 range, you know, good, good average, good counting stats, good home runs, but won't excel in any category. Right around pick 279. Basically you're calling him the Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about last week, how much I believe it was myself and I'm pretty sure that Spore also picked this player. It might have even been a third person that picked it too. We talked about we were out on uh, Anthony Santander, who also goes not too much higher ahead of him. And um, we just all said that we were like, especially the fact that he's horrible defensively. If, if the bat isn't anything close, he could lose a lot of playing time. So they need Austin Hayes to play the outfield, get ample at bats. So I, I like the pick there, Doc. Marty Party, your pick. In this range, you decided to go with a uh, another again. You guys all picking players for your favorite teams here. You think the Austin Meadows bounce back is real? I, I do, I do. And I mean, look, here's the thing. So ADP's two sixty. Roster resource has him leading off, and there's no competition behind him. You know, he's going to play every single day without a doubt. Uh, they re-signed him up for this year. The ballpark is a little bit smaller, which should help him with uh, with some power numbers. Maybe one or two more home runs over that uh, right center wall. Uh, bad X projections have him for 517 plate appearances, batting 242, 15 home runs, and five stolen bases. So if, if I'm this, if I'm this deep in outfield, if I can still get somebody that maybe has 20 plus, you know, or 20 home run upside, five to eight stolen bases somewhere in there, maybe even more with the new bags. I, I like where he's currently at. I'm buying in um, at his current ADP. Last year was a mess for Meadows. I mean, he dealt with several injuries, mental health issues, you name it, but he's still only 27 years old. Um, the year before he hit 27 home runs and the Tigers have completely redid their development team from hitting. So he's going to be with a brand new coaching staff, hopefully a brand new slate for him. He's healthy physically, mentally, and where he's at roster resource has him. Like I said, leading off, I'm buying into it. 
Now, Scott, you got to hear everybody talk about their favorite team and players on their favorite teams. Is there any of the ones that were said that you disagree with? You know, it's funny. I was hoping someone was going to say Meadows because I have no idea what to figure out here. Like, are they going to have a ceremony in Detroit when he hits his first Tigers home run? Because he still doesn't have one. <laughs> I know. It's insane. He had no home runs and no steals last year. It seems impossible. But then you look a year back, and like Marty said, 27-106. Like, if you get that at this price, you get – you get two thirds of that at this price. It's like it's a giant steal. So I'm I'm fascinated by Meadows. One of those guys that in drafts I cannot figure out yet. I'm I'm hoping it works. Um, you know, Marty mentioned the mental health. Is you got to just root for the guy. Like he was such mm-hmm. a huge, huge prospect. And then when he went to the Rays, he mashed. I just he's one of the more fascinating guys in, in drafts because if he if he's anywhere near what he was, he's a steal here. Marty, where does the bad X have him for stolen bases? Five. Okay, that's fair. I remember he had like he like sprained both ankles last year. He did something that he hurt both legs. He sprained so. both ankles. He had vertigo, right? Then yeah. obviously the mental health stuff. I mean, it, it was everything last that's year. A, that's a bingo card of injuries right there. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot. Does um, anybody have an Oscar Colas take in this range? Because I have no mm, idea on him either. I, mm. I can't really figure that one out. Yeah, I noticed he was in this range too. Scott, you are just – you're a professional. You teased it out there right as I was about to I'm not supposed to be in. asking the questions on this one, right? <laughs> so Oscar Colas is my pick. Oh, and nice. spoiler alert, I did put a $25 bet on Oscar Colas winning American League Rookie of the Year at plus 1,700 odds. Yeah, um nice. Somewhere, somewhere, Greg Dorch is celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> he's, oh, he's Sky Moore too. Yeah, Sky Moore too. Seriously, every wide receiver four in a primetime game. I assume Mendy made made like ten grand on it. Uh, I wish that baseball. I, I'm going to hopefully make some money with baseball. I don't know if anything close to like Dude, that. You have to bet on obscure pitchers throwing no hitters. Yeah, something like that. I keep rooting um, for Ray Ray McLeod to score a touchdown just so you win a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> he did. I think he had like. Uh, I actually bet on him one game to get a, a touchdown <laughs> in the amazing. yardage. Uh, but uh, Oscar Colas, so last year, 314, 371, 524 slash line, 23 home runs, 24 doubles, 79 RBIs and 81 runs across three different levels of minor league ball last year. He did only have 31 at-bats for AAA, and in those 31 at-bats, he had 387, 424, 645, um, and – he looks the part. I mean, he had a 470 foot bomb in double a last year too. Like he's one of those guys that just is physically, he looks the part, obviously the numbers, he looks the part. And we saw Michael Harris last year, basically go from double a to producing very well in the big leagues. So I know he got the 31 at bats, but pretty much not too much time in triple a. You look at the fact that the white Sox, who they are going to be trotting out there. Eloy Jimenez is not going to be in the outfield anymore. He's going to be DHing. Gavin Sheets is another option, but he's horrible defensively and a bat first player, and he's not even a guaranteed thing with his bat. The other options they have coming into camp this year are Billy Hamilton, Jake Marisnik, Victor Reyes, and Lori Garcia. So every article I've been reading is they're going into spring training saying it's Oscar Colas's job to lose. You combine that with the fact that he's basically been doing personal workouts with Luis Robert. He's also working with the White Sox Major League Field Coordinator Mike Tozar and hitting coach Jose Castro. Uh, he's doing all the right things. And he changed his approach last year when he said he went from thinking just to hit home runs to hitting the ball all over the field. So everything I'm reading and everything about Oscar Colas has me really excited. If he gets the opening right field job to start the season next year, uh, everybody's going to be in on him and drafting him at a much higher price. 
Mm-hmm. It's because of the uncertainty that he's going to start the year is why I think he's so low. He's an electric player, and I'm really excited to draft him as many leagues as I can. You said he was nope. working out with Luis Robert? Yes. That that seems like a bad thing, though, right? <laughs> like, Robert gets injured all the time. Well, when Robert's on the field, he's electric, too. That's <laughs> true. True that. Um, guy comes guy comes back on with no camera and dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't even know you came back on camera. I was reading my notes, and then you just <laughs> go and do that, LC. Um, but, yeah, I think Oscar Colas, I mean, we're talking about draft price here. And he's going as the 69th outfielder right before pick 300. Nice. I mean, it's yeah, it's nice, nice spot to be taken there. Nice, All right. nice positional ranking. Now I know what you're talking about, Doc. It's a PG show. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into then the next range here, Scott. The favorites 71 to 80. This range I don't think has as many players I like personally. I have more of a hard time trying to find players I really want to advocate for. There was one I kind of liked here. I'm interested to see if you go the same route. Who do you like in this range? Kind of like this is an interesting group. There are some there's some possible breakout guys in here, but I'm gonna go with someone that I've just kind of been a sucker for. I love the profile, but he just hasn't made it because of injury. Uh, the wrist has been issued, but Alex Kirilov in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he can hit. I'm um and at this price, his ADP is like 331, outfielder 79. I think it's a price where it's worth the risk. If he gets hurt again in you know in the first month, you just drop him. It's easy. There's really no loss here. But I mean, he was uh, he mashed in AAA last year. He had 10 home runs and 157 plate appearances. Uh, you know, he killed uh, so he killed that there in 2021. He was eight eight home runs and 231 plate appearances. When he was up with the Twins last year, you know, only three homers, but 45% hard hit rate, 44% hard hit rate in 2021 when he had a few more at-bats with the Twins. Um, I just think he can hit. And more than anything, first base is just wide-ass open in Minnesota. There's mm-hmm. nobody really that's going to take his job if he stays healthy. I mean, the wrist is a huge risk. It's big. Um, but I think he's at a price where, you know, like I said, if he gets hurt, it's okay, and you just drop him, and there's no real loss. You're going to drop some of the guys in this range anyway. But I think Kirilov in this range has legit uh, legit upside to really, really hit well, uh, maybe be a, you know, 20-home run guy and hit with a pretty good average. And at this point in the draft, um, I think that's going to be really nice. Does the risk concern you? I know he got wrist surgery this offseason to basically shorten or like shave off some of the bone in his wrist to try to prevent these injuries from going forward, but I've already read – that he's already having some problems with it. And it's it's not something that's necessarily going to take him out from starting opening day. But when I just see certain things like the rest, the wrist stuff still not being solved, does that scare you all even at this price or is it worth it to you still? Scares the heck out of me. If he were any more expensive, I would probably mm-hmm. be off it because of that. But at pick, uh, pick 331, you know, maybe he hits for two months and then gets hurt. I'm, I can deal with that. So I think the price is the, a big factor here. I think he's a really good hitter, but I, I, I think there's a definite concern this wrist is never, uh, it just impacts his career forever. And you're just like many others too, uh, in the sense of like, I, I love Alex Kirilov and I know a lot of people like him as well. It's just always been that wrist. And like, yeah. if the wrist holds up, you're getting an incredible bargain here. So if, if you take the chance and it pays off, it's going to pay off in a big way. As Scott mentioned, he hits the ball extremely hard and, and should be a great value if he stays on the field this year. David, you should donate his your wrist to Alex Kirloff. Uh, no, I'm not. Will not be donating my wrist to a player playing for my team that does nothing every single year. Okay. All right. Next pick. Let's go to you, Marty Party, and let's talk about in the 71 to 80 range. We have the same player here. And to be honest with you, this, this was the one we both, I felt like, was kind of the slam dunk pick here in Chris Taylor. Yeah, and there's nothing um, nothing sexy about it. 
You know, it's just I like the second base outfield eligibility. Still playing for the Dodgers. He has the ability to hit 15 to 20 home runs, steal you somewhere between five to 10 bags. The Dodgers beat writer said he's going to play as much as possible. They're going to move him around mm-hmm. since they're, they don't have the depth that they once had. And uh, his projections have him for 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and batting around 240. I mean, it, c- it could be a lot worse. And more than likely, you're probably going to use him as your middle infielder. But uh, outfield gets shallow. So if you can move him to the outfield, uh, you know, if there's an injury that pops up, I like the versatility there. Yeah, and just one thing to add, you you pretty much touched on it. He's going to be in the outfield mix in multiple spots, losing Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, and Joey Gallo. Uh, there's a lot less uh, quantity of players like they've been having the, over the most recent years. Uh, they need him to play, and he played uh, over 1,300 career innings in center field, 75 last season, 118 games last season. So he, he is playing consistently over 100-plus games. Uh, he, his versatility will keep him in the lineup. And that's where I think it becomes a really good value because you get someone that's going to be playing every day for the Dodgers. This uh, is my guy too. Can I just pile on? Was it, was it Chris Taylor? Did you, uh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you, you know what, ahead. David, when you said, I don't like this range and I saw this range, the first thought that came into my mind is like, it's like the question of which of your exes would you want to date? And it's none of them. You don't like any guys in this range, but if you had to pick one, yeah. Chris Taylor is the one to go. It's only you really, you really wouldn't want to date any of your exes. No, all right. <laughs> Eric's uh, <laughs> Eric's exes. <laughs> would, would you want to date any of your exes? I don't know. Might be up for to it. Oh, yeah, this is, we're getting, this is getting deep. I need a late night pod to really dive into this. My, uh, I, I always joke with my wife. I call, I call my first ex my 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 true love of my life, and she gets really mad. We joke about that. So I'm, I'm making the same joke. <laughs> Scott, you have an ex wife because I think if I said that to my wife, I think I'd be sleeping on the couch. Yeah, so we, we have a good time with that one. Oh my god! So Eric, this is the this is the one X you would come back to. I, I guess this is the, the the one that I would. Chris Taylor. Oh, he's only thirty two years old. You guys pretty much said everything. But I think of him as more of a speed guy. Last year's sprint speed was in the eighty third percentile, but hitting the max EV was forty fourth. Average EV the twentieth. Like he might be a guy that you look at to get you some later steals and that versatility rather than getting some power. Yeah, Chris Taylor, definitely an appealing pick going after pick 300. Uh, I I want to double check Art. I don't think, yeah, you didn't have him. Did anybody like Manuel Margot here? He was kind of the other one I was deciding between. It's He's the got same the- thing every year. A good two-week stretch where he hits 310 and steals like six stolen or six bags. Then gets has a hamstring injury and goes on IR. He's like, a, if he plays and he's healthy, he's like, he could be a 2020 guy. Once again, it's same thing, David. Same thing. So my other guy here, and I'm surprised nobody took him. Where are you guys with Jared Kelnick these days? I'm out. Out, out? I, I, I saw out, out. somebody tweeted it. Um, I think it was today. I forgot who tweeted it, but they said that he like he overhauled his entire mechanics this offseason, talked to people in his really? inner circle or something. Yeah, it was like a he, weird quote too. Is like he keeps notebooks of like all the notes he's taking on his new swing. Is very is a it was a really strange quote. It made me less interested. Actually, it made me feel weird about him. Yeah, I, but I it's weird. I mean, you look at you look at the, the strikeouts are are the huge issue in the majors. But like he doesn't do that. He didn't do yeah. that in AAA the last two years. So it's so strange that you know twenty eight and thirty four percent strikeout rate. But you look at AAA and it's fifteen percent and twenty one percent. It's just weird. Like it's hard for me to get my arms around the fact that Jared Kelnick's a quad A player, but he profiles like that. If it wasn't for the pedigree, I wonder where we all be with this. But uh, I just uh, I don't know. I'm still hanging on a little bit in this range. 
does anybody think it's a mental thing more than anything at this point? Like probably big mental at this point, the pedigree and the expectations and just how bad he's been struggling that like, it's just a certain thing you get to the plate, you have no confidence and you're o- every overthinking every single, I mean, he's, I feel like he's changed his swing like two or three times already. He's still only 23 years old. It's crazy, right? You know, he could yeah. suck for like another year and still like, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28. He could possibly still be trying to get there. So Justin Ackley 2.0. Oh God! That doesn't actually at least had one good season. Actually, never got there. Yeah. Well, so so, but here's my thing: is the Mariners traded for Jesse Winker last offseason, traded for Teoscar this offseason? Mm-hmm. You'd have to think that that shows that they're not as confident as Kelnick. Yeah, I mean, he's at this point right now. The bound. they can't take any chances. They're ready to go right now. Yeah, right now they have him as the best case scenario is platooning a strong side of a platoon. He's not even guaranteed full time starter at this point. Who does he who does he platoon with though? Like Dylan Moore? Is that who he platoons with? It was um Dylan Moore sucks. Dylan Moore just signed like a four year extension though. He's bad. They they like him. They use him like the Dodgers use Chris Taylor. They put him all over the place. Um, I think I think they're going to give Kelnick a pretty good run to start the year. I think he's got like six to eight weeks to hit, and if he doesn't, maybe they'll figure it out. But I think he's got a good run to start. But uh, I know it's been so ugly. It's been so bad. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, Elsie, real quick, we'll get to your guy here to close this part out you like jake fraley because i, I remember hearing you on the, yeah. on the wire podcast you talked about that you liked will myers the best in terms of what you expect but will myers draft price has gotten so out of control that now jake fraley is kind of the nice option you can get and you're scooping up more of him now yeah it was an interesting question because the reds have a lot of kind of uh uh, uh, re- retries on their roster. Uh, Fraley's one, uh, uh, Myers is one. You can also call um, Chad Pinder another. And and there's another that's not coming to my head right now that they, they brought in for a second chance. Fraley, though, last season was hitting fourth down the stretch for the Reds, had a fantastic second half for them. And I think his power, especially in that ballpark, profile's pretty pretty good and i think there could be 20 home run upside here with fraley not to mention double digit stolen bases with a pretty decent batting average i think among this this range of players to me he is the he is the upside guy uh the potential five category upside guy and i really like where he's going especially because i think he's probably going to hit in a pretty good spot in that cincinnati lineup yeah, and we've seen flashes from him in the past when he can get it all going. He definitely could be a nice pick here. Yeah, but he can't this- hit lefties. Like they're never going to play him against the lefty. He like bats like one, I think one forty three or one forty around there. That's going to be the only thing. It's probably a platoon bat, but there's not, there's no one really else around him. No, I mean the Reds don't have a lot of quality hitters at this point, so hmm. he'll get the chance. Um, Who sells off harder, the Reds or the A's? The A's, no question. Yeah, the Reds will win more games. Uh, the player I was thinking of was AJ Pollock for the Mariners. Yeah, that they might platoon him and Jared Kelnick because yeah, that sounds about uh, right. Kelnick, I, I read that. Yeah, Kelnick, a lefty batter, and, and Pollock, a righty batter. I think I think they both play. Well, they start. have Julio in center, and they have Teoscar in right. Yep. So and, then and DH is and Kelnick and Pollock, and I guess you're going Dylan Moore at some point. And Juanio Suarez is the DH right now, according to their official depth chart. All right. I was looking at roster resource. They had him at third base. So if he play, if he DHs, that makes it really tough to fit them all in. That you're right. Yeah, and they also have Tommy Lastella that can also play third. He's on Ooh, the roster. Still around. 
He's so, horrible. Too. He's horrible too. Yeah. <laughs> so fewest wins right now on DraftKings. The Nationals and Athletics are tied at plus two eighty for the most losses. Oh my god, I would take the Athletics. Yeah, I take the A's too. I think it just there's just nothing. And if they anything, if anybody plays like if Ramon Laureano looks good the first month, they're going to trade him. I just think they're they're playing for like twenty thirty two or something. It's, it's I'm really crazy. debating putting money on this right now. <laughs> I mean, we you have a whole rest of the show. You can figure it out. And that, by the way, don't look at the Nats lineup. The Nats lineup is bad. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty bad. It's bad. <laughs> uh, next range here, talking about the eighty-one to ninety outfielders. This is an ADP according to the NFBC. This is three forty to right around four hundred and twenty-three. And Scott, back to you. Who in this range is catching your eye? Uh, I'm going with a uh, kind of a last year's bum pick here, and I think he's just the one stat off what he normally was, and that's Avisel Garcia. Pick mm-hmm. outfielder 87, about ADP pick 394. The one thing that Garcia did differently last year in Miami was just strike out more. I mean, he is, his strikeout rate was 23% for three years in a row. Last year it was 29, 28.7%, so almost 29%. You look at everything else, I mean, hard contact was still there, 45%. The barrel rate was down, but you're looking at a guy that – in 2021, was 29 home runs, 86 RBI, eight stolen bases too. I mean, it tosses in five or six stolen bases for you. That's big. Hit 260, 12% barrel rate. I like guys that are just you know one year off. You know, I don't like guys that you know are 37 in this, but he's 31. Um, he's he's hit the ball hard many different times this year. You know, barrel rate over 10% three of the last five years. I just think Garcia can hit. I know there is a little bit of a crowd situation here in Miami, but it's not like he's with anybody good. I don't think that Jesus Sanchez, uh, you know, didn't prove much. I don't think he can hit. To, he definitely can't hit lefties. You got Brian De La Cruz, who I do like, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I think Garcia plays a bunch. I think he hits fifth and sixth somewhere in there. Um, we're talking free picks here. ADP is four hundred. He's got is a guy that was really good in twenty twenty one. Give me a guy a year off a great year at this price, and I'll, I'll see what I can get. I'm not mistaken. Didn't he also have a decent sized contract with the Marlins too? Four years, fifty three million dollars. Like they wow, have to play really, him. They have to really play. He will be. He got, he, he got paid more than I thought. He definitely. Yeah, that was a contract year. He sold out. He's my guy too. For all the he's, reasons. He's, he's he's playing. Yep. Was there anything you wanted to add, Marty, with Garcia? No, other, I mean they have to play him. Yeah, eight, 98th percentile max exit velocity last year, and he came out of um, he came into camp out of uh, completely out of shape, an extra twenty pounds heavy. Just he got that contract. He was chilling all summer, chilling all uh, winter. So I think this year he should be able to to bounce back. And if not, you can just cut him. You're, yeah. you're the Tigers fan, right? He did he did he sleep yep. with Prince Fielder's wife? Was that what it was? That's the word on the street. <laughs> that is what the word was. Yeah, that was the word what? on the street that um that he hooked up with Prince Fielder's yeah. wife, and they got into a huge brawl in the um in the dugout. Uh, Miggy was trying to break it up, yeah. and he told Fielder told Dombrowski, "You trade him. It's either me or him." And so they got rid of him. He went to Chicago. I want to say the White Are Sox. Are you serious? Oh yeah, I've never yeah. heard of this. Before. I'm not I've making this stuff up. No, you definitely no. That was yeah, that was yeah. a thing. Yep. He was he was baby Miggy too. He had the same body, yep. kind of looked like him when he yeah, first came him, up. Yeah, called him Mini Miggy. Yeah, Mini Miggy. There you go. And, they, yep. and it blew up. He was going to be their next big thing, and then he hooked up with Princess Wife, and that was it. He wow, got this is crazy. <laughs> I David, I didn't know this either. This is I'm like literally, I don't even know how to to go and on. Prince Fielder dude, filed for divorce after. Wow. Yes, he did. Oh, so a VCL. I didn't even realize he was on the Tigers first. Yeah, that's where he came yeah. up. He uh, right. he dropped uh, dropped the ball in right field when the, uh, when the A's uh, had a walk off in them, but then Verlander shut him out the next day, so it didn't matter. But I know what I'll yeah. be googling after the show is over. <laughs> wow, obviously <laughs> Garcia that. broken home. What are you gonna look up? <laughs> yeah, right. Phone <laughs> record dropping knowledge bombs right now. I, I, Trying to give it. you guys give you guys some new material here. 
We got, go. we got to call him the cheater now. <laughs> we talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad I had a Tigers fan here that knew what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Wait, he's not a cheater, though. He's a homewrecker. I call it boys being boys, but that's what it is. Marty, you've been on this show for like over a year now, and you never once thought to bring this up. I haven't been able to organically work it into a conversation yet, but, you know. uh, Scott just dropped it in perfectly in a conversation. (laughs) All right. um, Next player we'll talk about. We'll go to you. I I don't even know how to go from here. Doc, the player you wanted to talk about here was uh Mark Canna, who I feel like is a solid player, never like too too fancy in any category, kind of gives you some solid production with the New York Mets. Uh what do you want to why do you want to draft him here? Well first of all I feel like Mark Canna is very loyal to his wife <laughs> after yeah. after all that we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's in the second <laughs> he's in the second year of a $26.5 million contract he signed with the Mets. They're going to play him, especially if uh, Starling Marte might not be ready for opening do- opening day after that uh, core surgery. Scott, he spent his first seven years in Oakland, and that seems like it held him back because the first year in the Mets, he had the lowest K rate that he's had, 17.9%. Going to be in a more stacked lineup, a guy that will probably hit between 13 to 17 home runs. He's had at least 60 RBIs and 70-plus runs the last two seasons. Um, and the last two years, he's played the most games of his career, 141 and 140. So as long as he gets that kind of playing time, I think he's definitely going to smash that ADP, which is right now. I can tell you, Doc. 410. Yeah, Mark 10 at 410, the 88th outfielder off the board. Min pick of 268. Uh, so someone really went and got him at That's one draft. Um, my player, I'll talk about really quick, Andrew McCutcheon, who 36 years of age on the cusp of his 15th major league season. Remember back when he was with the Pirates, who he's now with again, a five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, one-time Gold Glover, and first MVP award for the Pirates since Barry Bonds. He actually had better stats last season than you might think. 17 home runs, 69 RBIs, and eight stolen bases while hitting just under slightly under the league average 237. He actually has a 90% sprint speed still. And I would not be shocked to say this in a perfect world next year. He's a 20 home run, 10 stolen base guy. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, especially uh, with the fact that there's going to be easier chances for steals this year. 17 home runs last year for the Brewers. He's going to be able to be in uh, a better lineup spot for the Pirates who have Nobody on the team this year. Uh, Brian Reynolds is their best hitter, and he is arguably their best hitter. O'Neill Cruz is still working his way there, but uh, he's most likely to be traded the way things are trending these days. Uh, and also with, with Andrew McCutcheon, uh, K rate under 22%, a 92 percentile chase rate, so he's a really good eye at the plate. Uh, played in 134 games last season, so he actually was healthier than you may think as well. I think he's a solid pick here uh, going right now as – Outfielder 89 at pick 413 right after Mark Canna. So I think he's a solid pick here. David, do you remember when you drafted him last year in our home league and I ridiculed you about what a bad pick it was and then I peer pressured you into dropping him a couple weeks later? It wasn't a couple weeks later. I had him for like a month or two. Okay, well, within two months. Sounds like quite the home league. 
<laughs> it's- I I just laughed out loud. Said it was the worst pick of the draft. I screenshot every time he'd have like an O for three with two strikes. He's a great right? points league player because he doesn't strike out that much, and he would get like he would in points leagues he would have like one, three, five, like two. Like he wouldn't get negatives for you. And he actually was, and then he and then he got picked up, and he was actually pretty decent down the stretch yeah. too. I peer pressured David into dropping him at his cold stretch, and then somebody yeah. picked him up yeah. as he got hot. That is beautiful. Where are you guys on uh, Dylan Carlson in this range? I don't want any top part of Dylan Carlson personally. Um, Talk about pedigree prospect. He was horrible last year. The Cardinals yeah, the have too many good hitters in the waiting. He's right now fighting for even a starting spot. I feel like you have Tyler O'Neill. Uh, right now, Jordan Walker, if he has a good spring training, I expect he'll start in the outfield and, and also with uh, Lars Newtbar. And he just hits, he hits nothing hard. It's wild. I mean, yeah. he was pretty good when he got called up. He's down to 27% hard hit rate last year. It's just, I want to find something there. And I, I, I looked when we were talking this range. I couldn't find anything to get excited about with Carlson. I think, and I agree with you guys. Yeah. I think he's going to lose his job. I think you're right. Uh, and Juan Yepes is going to be the DH. So it's not like he'll slide into the DH role either. Um, yeah, Dylan Carlson's kind of fallen from grace a lot uh, in terms of how high up he hyped up he was a few years ago. Elsie, close this out really quick. You want to talk about to uh, close out this range here, uh, Adam Duvall, right? That's who you picked yeah. for this one? Yeah, yeah, straight late power grab. Duvall's going to be the starting center fielder for the Red Sox. Just shows you what sort of straights the Red Sox are in right now. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a really nice power park, one of the best in the league. And uh, he has a good power swing. Now, he, he missed the rest end of the season with a wrist injury. So, you know, it might not come back, but this is a late pick. This is an upside pick. This is a person who could end up getting 30 home runs. I have him at only about 500 plate appearances. I have him over 20 home runs, so at 22 home runs. So I think he's a, he's a very good value for where he's going right now. And uh, you could do a lot worse, especially if you uh, need a little bit of late power. All right. Again, power is definitely something at a premium. So you got to make sure you get some power spots. Adam Duvall definitely could be one here. Was anybody else shocked? And this is something I now have known for a couple seasons that how good he is in center field. Like I always thought he was just like a big guy that just hit for power. Then he's like, he actually is like a really good athlete and a really good center fielder. When I first heard that, I was like, not kidding. talking about Adam Duvall. Uh, but he is uh, really good defensively too. And that's going to get as bad in the lineup. Um, next range, Scott, we are now getting into the triple digit territory going in picks outfielders, 91 to hundred. There are a lot of contenders here. Who did you pick? So I'm going really boring here and it's kind of a team dependent thing, but, uh, I think batting average is almost impossible to find late in drafts, especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you 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 get some power guys. You talk, we talked about a number of power guys. Um, so I'm going to Harold Ramirez here in uh, in mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Uh, dude hit 300 last year, and he's hit 268, 276 his other three seasons. It's not like it was a, it's not like so weird. I know his batting was high, but he just he just hits for average. Doesn't strike out a lot. 16 and a half percent strikeout rate last year. Um, I just think late batting average guys are really hard to find. You get guys down here that hit 210, 215, and this in this era with batting average is tough. You know, someone that's going to hit, you know, say he hits 275, 280, that really helps your team at this point. Um, you look at his expected batting average on baseball savant, 94th percentile. So the expected numbers are good too. I think the sneaky part here with, with Ramirez is the Rays are not as deep as they have been in the past. Like usually it's like they have so many guys, they're going to platoon everybody, but 
you look at their bench right now, and it's not very exciting. Luke Rayleigh, Jonathan Aranda, Taylor Walls is kind of going to be all over the infield. And then whoever the backup catcher is, the fourth bench guy. Like, There's not a lot of guys here that I'm really worried about them taking Ramirez out of the lineup for. You know, you look at uh, roster resource, hasn't hitting fifth right now. I don't know if that's hold, but if it's, if it's fifth or sixth, you're getting him at outfielder 95, ADP is what, uh, 440. That's like the last couple rounds in a 15-teamer. Um, I think he's a really nice guy to have on your bench, play uh, some weeks, you get somebody hurt, you have some bad matchups. I think Ramirez uh, d- doesn't hurt you and helps you a little bit, and it will play more than we think. Yeah, and again, you can't go wrong here. Harold Ramirez, uh, pretty much free, yeah, going at – 438. Do you, do you have any shares of him before we get, and you can add on Eric, do you have any shares of him yet, Scott, in any of the drafts you've done? Uh, I have not drafted yet. I don't, I don't draft till March. Sorry. Ooh, I like yeah, it. Really? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a grinder in the season. I need a break uh, in the off season. Um, I think TGFBI starts in like a week or so. That'd be my first draft. I do. I like it. Man. Wait, I have to bring this up in the comments. See, I see. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making this stuff up, guys. I had a friend of Dave Dabrowski at a game sitting behind home plate. Tell me that story. Yosel Garcia, Tigers cost Tigers a World Series. He took out Miggy, breaking up fight, and Prince checked out for the season. Yep. So when you look at those amazing teams and you wonder why, you can just look at Abisal Garcia. But now there was more to it. But yeah, oh my wasn't God. good. <laughs> Truman, thanks for uh, thanks for telling us adding to that too, because this is this is whole this is a whole scandal that I had no idea existed. I'm this waiting is- for the thirty for thirty. Elsie, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to you. Let's talk about the player that you want. And uh, Denmar, did you want to add anything? Or I'm sorry, Eric, did you want to add anything to Harold Ramirez? I was just gonna say he's moved around. He Miami, Cleveland, Tampa Bay. He's on a one year deal now, so he might. And Scott mentioned with the the opportunity he has, really try to earn a bigger contract like Evicio Garcia did. Mm-hmm. And right now, roster resource has him hitting fifth against right-handed pitching, so he's going to be right in the heart of that lineup. All right, Harold Ramirez, a good target here. Elsie, you like Leone Tavares here, which is kind of interesting because I feel like mm-hmm. I've been hearing a lot more of Bubba Thompson hype than Leone Tavares hype. And um, they both, they actually go very close to one another here. Outfielder 97 and outfielder 101. How can you like Tavares over Bubba Thompson? I think Tavares is a better actual hitter than Bubba Thompson is. And I think that he's going to, uh, I think that the Rangers are going to want to try and see what they have more with Tavares. I think they know that, that Thompson is sort of just a speed first type of player who doesn't have uh, a major league uh, hitting hitting skill. He's 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 a Billy Hamilton type. Uh, Tavares has mm-hmm. fantastic speed, but he also has a good minor league hitting track record. Um, I think he can keep a, the good BABIP that he kept last season and outperform projections, which have him in the two thirties. And I think if he does get that chance, he can push the plate appearances that uh, that are projected for him, which they're they're not projecting. They're not going wild with him. Only about. 500 plate appearances, but I think if he pushes that, he'll be looking at some some more stolen bases. Interestingly, they roster resource has him hitting ninth. I started to try and look up um, uh, what batting positions, what you can expect for stolen bases out of different batting positions. And Jeff Zimmerman wrote a, a really interesting article in January, and he said the one thing he said is, is if you're looking for hidden stolen bases to move out of the last two spots in the batting order, out of eighth and ninth, so. Really hoping Tavares gets moved out of the end of the batting order because I want mm-hmm. those stolen bases. So he has to hit to do that. 
But um, but that's an interesting tidbit for your season, guys moving up in the batting order. Uh, um, our stolen base, our hidden stolen base ads, according to a, a recent Jeff Zimmerman article, which I thought was interesting. Okay. So you will be drafting him over Leo or over uh, Bubba Thompson in a lot of leagues, but it sounds like his bat you think will play better. Um, and the, the Texas Rangers, definitely they have a couple nice bats in that lineup, Marcus Simeon and, and Cody Seager, or sorry, Corey Seager, who some people have picked to be the potential MVP of the American League. Uh, so they're going to need other players to step up, and uh, Leo Tavares could be a nice option for you at this point in the draft. Marty Party the guy that you want to talk about in this range, Mike Yastrzemski, who, to be honest with you, a few years ago looked like he was going to be one of the best bargains uh, in terms of just kind of coming on the scene, was helping win people leagues, and then also just completely dropped off. Do you think he bounces back some way? Uh, former all-star, Mike Yastrzemski. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. But, um, yeah, I mean, for where he's going, I really like it. I mean, he walks at a good clip. He barrels the ball consistently. Uh, last year, he, he was really pressing. So his, we saw his batting average plummet to 212. His strikeout percentage went up. But he still had 17 home runs. He got your five stolen bases. And more importantly, next year, he's going to be batting every day, either first, second, or third in that lineup. So I like the ability of, you know, the playing times there. He's he's a he's a he's a decent player. I don't think there's tons of upside there, but if he gets you, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, 5 to 10 stolen bases somewhere in there and he, if he can he needs to get that batting average up or you're going to have to drop him cuz 220 you just can't do it, especially with me taking so many uh big boppers at the beginning who drive down my uh my batting average. But uh where he's going, you can you can hold on to him see if he he can kind of rejuvenate what he had a few years ago. If not, you cut bait. Yeah, fair enough. And again, these prices are pretty much free at this point. So uh, you're getting a potential bounce back of Mike Yastrzemski for just the the low, low price of 438.80p. I will close out this range with Tommy Pham, who I know is a big target of our buddy Torres of the fantasy baseball beat. He really likes him a lot. And I think at the outfielder number 100 here, he's a one year, $6 million deal with the Mets that could be up to $8 million with incentives. Spent last year split between Cincinnati and Boston, hit 17 home runs, 63 RBIs, and a 686 OPS. He actually had 89 runs as well to go along with that. He's a career 259 hitter and a 70, 787 OPS. He actually uh, hits the ball harder than you may think even at this point in his career. A 93 mile per average mile per hour exit velocity, an 85, 55th percentile max EV, 89th percentile hard hit percentages. He is somebody that I think with an injury has a path to everyday playing time for this team. And if he starts hitting consistently, he'll play every day. Um, He also gave you eight steals last season. So he is somebody that can also potentially steal double digit bases in the right scenario. I'm not out on Tommy Pham. I think, again, the price factors in here, but you're getting somebody that's going to be playing for a good lineup potentially. Uh, You know, if there's an injury, he'd even start out as a DH to start the year. I like him for the price, and I think he could have a big impact for the Mets next season. Any Now, Scott, I want to go back to you really quick. Out of the ones we just said in that range, obviously you brought up your guy, but we also talked about, uh, besides Harold Ramirez, we talked about Leody Tavares, we talked about Mike Yastrzemski, and we talked about Tommy Pham. Is there any of those guys you're going to be targeting? My second guy here was Yastrzemski. I just like mm-hmm. uh, I like that he still hits the ball hard. I like that he's going to play a lot. I think that uh, in this range, it'd be Yastrzemski Ramirez for me. I just thought uh, Ramirez kind of fits well late in the draft. You need some batting average, but it, it, like I said, it's team dependent. And if I needed some pop, I'd probably I obviously am not drafting Ramirez because he's going to hit you know eight home runs or something. But uh, yeah, I think I think Yaz is interesting too. Although the guy that I'm going to have in the next range, uh, I like on the same team. 
Oh, well, that's a perfect transition then. All right, Scott, back to you in the next range, which is going to be anywhere from outfielder 101 to outfielder 150. It's a big range. Who do you like? So I got a guy I really like in this range, and it's in San Francisco. It's Lamont Wade Jr. Um, Mm. There was a story that came out in The Athletic earlier this week that essentially he hurt his knee late in 2021. He was actually one of the last outs in the 2021 playoffs. His knee was hurt. He struck out against Scherzer, and there's a a whole story about it. But he essentially he was hurt hurt all last year. So I'm pretty much tossing out 2022. He was not good last year. There's no way to say that. But look, his ADP is 596. You can get him literally for free in any draft, uh, out for a 126. But if you click back to 2021, he had 381 plate appearances, 18 home runs, six stolen bases. Really good numbers there, hit 253. But you look a little deeper. You look at some of the uh, some of the metrics, some of the numbers. He was over 70th percentile in ex-WOBA, ex-slug, ex-ISO, and barrel rate. He was 80th percentile higher in whiff rate and chase rate. This is a guy that like, was really good in 2021. He's probably going to platoon a little bit. The Giants do you know, move guys around, but he's on the right side of the platoon because he's a lefty hitter, so that's a, the good side there. Um, and, but he's just... Uh, I just I really like I really like the whole profile here. I, he, he's way down this list because last year was a lost year. And when I look at guys down here, I'm like, you know, why was last year lost year? Was he bad? What happened? He was hurt all last year, and I loved kind of finding a guy you can just toss out last year. You give me just 2021, he's an absolute win here. You give me another 100 plate appearances, which is very possible. He only had 381 that year. He becomes a giant win here. No pun intended on that one. That was bad. Um, but I think the Giants want him to play a lot too. Like there's just they're a little they're a little thinner than they used to be too at this position because Brandon Belt's gone now. So I think there's there's plenty of room for him to run or him to play, and I think he's going to hit. He got a chance to hit up in the lineup. I don't know what exactly what they'll do with with Estrada and, and Yaz and up there. And they obviously signed Hanniger, but you know there was a lot of games in 2021 where where Wade led off. Uh, he was leading off against righties, so uh, I think he is a a prime guy to get for free that could that could really pay off at this price. Starting first baseman for them right now, hitting eighth according to roster resource. Do the Giants have the most lefty batters of any team in the big leagues? They have right now projected five lefties to start next year. Uh, for them, which is, is kind of interesting, but I mean, Lamont Wade jr. Is, is he eligible at just first base or is he have, uh, I'm trying to look at his position eligibility right had, now, right now he is uh first base and outfield, which I, another, another little bonus there. Multi-position eligibility going back to what he did in 2021 as, as Scott referenced, just, uh, played 109 games, had 18 home runs and 56 RBIs that year, 253 average. Last year just looks like a, a complete outlier. And you mentioned the knee being a problem. I, I, to be honest, I had never actually looked at Lamont Wade's stats. He was never somebody I ever even considered drafting. And just looking into his numbers and everything that you're talking about, you definitely have my attention intrigued here with him. So I, I think Lamont Wade's definitely a really nice target here. Where did you say he was going in terms of uh, ADP? He's outfielder 126, ABC 80, ADP 596. Like he's essentially my, my 28th pick in every draft. I like it. I like it. Every draft that you haven't done yet. Every draft that I haven't <laughs> done yet. The ones, that, the ones that are coming up, yes. The 15 teamers, yeah. the you know, 30 round 15 teamers. Um, he'll be my 28th round pick, and I'm just going to take it and see what happens. I, I really like I like the profile here. All right. I, I'm going to go to you next, Marty, because we have two outfielders on the same team, but not the same guy here. You have Tyrone Taylor. As your pick, uh, who flashed in the pan a little bit and then kind of came back down to earth towards the end of the season, did give you some valuable weeks at some points last year. You think this is the real deal next season for him? 
if if real deal is batting somewhere around 240, maybe getting you 15 home runs, maybe mm-hmm. around six, seven stolen bases. Yeah, that's that's the real deal. And I think that with him, you know, just being somebody on your bench in a DC or someone you want to take the chance at, you know, your last pick of the draft just to see what what happens. I think that's a, a good fit. He's slated the start for the Brewers. He'll probably be batting, you know, at the bottom of the lineup, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, wherever they can fit him in there. Um, but I think there is some upside. I love the park, and he's a young dude. I mean, who knows? Something could happen. It could. And to be honest with you, that's something that could happen might be Sal Freelick, who is my pick for this range. And I don't like picking too many rookies, but uh, he's somebody that is going to play the outfield for the Brewers at some point next year. He's really, really good defensively. Uh, and just for those that haven't heard of Sal Freelick, I definitely got more exposure to him. On the prospect show, the call up on triple play from our guy Vinny down on the farm. He's really big on him, and I started looking more into his profile. This is a guy who's 22 years of age, hit 331, 403, 480 with 11 home runs between three levels last year. But where he becomes really interesting, he struck out just 63 times in 562, uh, 562 plate appearances uh, last year. He's very fast. He's also, again, very good defensively. I think he could play center field every day for the Brewers. And people, everybody that, that talks about him compares him to Stephen Kwan, just the, in terms of his contact rate. He's able to just make consistent contact of the ball. Maybe he's not going to hit 20-plus home runs, but he could give you anywhere from 10 to 15 home runs, hit over 300, get on base a ton, play good defense. And he just talks about that he just tries. His, he's talking about his approach. He says he tries to stay in the zone as long as possible. Very even swing, doesn't try to get under it or on top of it. Just stay square the entire time, no matter what type of pitch is thrown at him. He's that type of guy that's very consistent. He's not going to be sexy, but if you need batting average, you need stolen base potential, you need a guy that's going to play every day, this is a big sleeper here. Sal Freelick, who I actually is not crazy if you want to throw some money on him for NL Rookie of the Year. It's a long shot. I think it, last time I checked, it was like plus 4,000 odds. But he's somebody that would not surprise me if he broke camp with the Brewers. If not, maybe worst case scenario, maybe it's like the first month or two after. He will play every day for them when he gets called up because he'll have that type of impact on the team. And he'll get you a lot of accumulation stats that you can't find too much in this range. So that's my guy for uh, Sal Freelick here. There's some sweet, sweet Oakleys in the Twitter profile picture, too. Does he really? I haven't looked at his Twitter profile. He is pulling those off nicely. Oh, that's even... You get the optics going too on Twitter and you have me sold. <laughs> uh, Doc, your pick for the 101 to 150 range, you decided to talk about Connor Joe, who disappointed last year, now with the Pittsburgh Pirates and a team that needs hitters to produce. Do you think he could produce for them this season? Connor Joe, Cotton Eye Joe. That's mm-hmm. going to be his nickname. I mean, he's nothing sexy. He's 90 the, 90th percentile in, in walk rate. Um, and I like what Scott said about at this point, you're trying to find guys that are eligible, uh, multiple positions, first base outfield, put him in the corner infield. And right. I think he gets a everyday, um, playing spot. If Brian Reynolds gets traded, if G man Choi isn't ready, he had off season elbow surgery. And it does seem like there are some bad feelings that the pirates didn't let him play in the WBC. He actually had a decent first half last year, 262, five home runs, 72 runs plus RBIs and six stolen bases in 85 games and actually had better stats in the first half away from cores. So I'm kind of just banking on a trade or an injury for him to have more everyday at bats. 
All right. I mean, there's definitely a chance. Again, they need players to produce in that lineup. Elsie closes out the player in your range. Kyle Isabel, who I am a big fan of. I try to draft him in a lot of leagues. Good depth piece mm-hmm. for the uh, Kansas City Royals. Yeah, the Royals are one of the outfields that I'm looking at. They um, There were three, uh, three guys who were competing for two spots, Drew Waters, Kyle Isbell, and Nate Eaton. Well, Waters just uh, went down with a strained oblique and is going to be out for at least six weeks, which puts that right up to opening day, right past opening day. So he's, I, in my in my mind, he moves him down to the of the triplet, and that moves Isbell up to the top. And I think that, um, you know, Isbell came up with a good hit-first profile with speed in the minor league, speed defense, and a good uh, uh, hitting profile. And I think that... You know he's he's just had a, a short short sample so far in the major leagues, and and the the pitching has been is made out more than normal. If he could bring those strikeouts down, uh, down more closer to what he was doing in the minor leagues, that hitting will will start to to lead to better batting average, lead to the stolen base you're looking for, and um, he does have have a little bit of a, a little bit of power, not a ton. Uh, but uh, with with full time plate appearances, I could see him going ten home runs and fifteen stolen bases. All right, I like it. Let's go to our last range here. That is anywhere after pick one hundred and fifty for ADP reference. That is basically after seven hundred. So you're only looking at these guys in fifty play where you're doing draft and holds DC type of formats here. Um, so they're not somebody that you're going to be drafting in most twelve team leagues or any normal type of leagues. But Scott, lead us off. This is your lottery ticket. This pretty much uh, somebody that maybe you're not expecting the world from, but you might just draft a little bit of just to have some exposure to him. Yeah, I was torn between two rookies here, but uh, I'm going to go with the guy. I kind of teased it earlier when I asked you guys about Dylan Carlson. I was hoping nobody's going to like him because I like Alec Burleson here in uh, mm. St. Louis, uh, rookie outfielder. Uh Outfielder 156. I mean, dude, uh, dude won, won the International League batting title last year. He hit uh, 331. I like young guys who have a little bit of pop and don't strike out a lot. When mm-hmm. they come up, like he's a 14% strikeout rate last year, has dropped at each of his uh, each of his four levels. So it like, seems like he's getting better in the minors. Obviously, we're talking about you know outfitter 156. So who knows? But I don't think uh, I don't think Dylan Carlson's going to be good. He just might be bad. Um, Juan Yepes <laughs> seems very blah to me. I understand that Jordan Walker's here and obviously a stud, but I think I think Burleson's getting forgotten just because Walker's so damn and so damn good and everybody loves him, but. He had a quick call-up last year. He only had 53 plate appearances. Didn't do much with it, but had a 48% hard hit rate. So he did hit the ball when he was up there. Granted, super small sample size. But um, I just like everything I look at for with Burleson. You read stuff about him. It sounds like uh, they, they like him there, too. It's just going to be a matter of uh, finding playing time. So it might not be there for a while. But if uh, if you pass his blah and Carlson's not good, I think I think Burleson could come pretty quick. In a DC, uh, something like that, where you're gonna you're kind of waiting. You, you can afford to wait uh, with, with a huge bench. Um, I really like the profile here with Burleson. So that's going to be my guy. And you never know. Injuries always happen. We talk about it with starting pitchers, and we you draft the the six. Tyler, seven- Tyler O'Neill will never get hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the national no, he's, league. He's, he's doing yoga and slimmed down now, so he can't get hurt. We're good. Did he? I just saw a picture of him recently. Looked like he got even bigger. Maybe that was from <laughs> he's like a year. That dude is a beast. I read a whole thing about how he like wasn't. He was doing like he was doing like uh, more like flexibility training and less weight training. And apparently not. Uh, unless that picture is dated, it's like a year or two old. He's like a freaking tank. He is. I mean, he's a beast. There's no doubt. But I, I thought he. I thought he changed that. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot of opportunity here. I like it. And yeah, if someone gets hurt, then 
that's all you need for him to get ample playing time. Uh, this pick wasn't made, but Vinny is talking about Colton Kowser of the Baltimore Orioles as his pick in this range, which I think is not a bad call too, because the Orioles, uh, he's one of their top prospects right now. And I'm ready to see him easily could come up there and produce for them. I have to look what his ADP is. It's definitely like right down in this range really quick. I'm going to save my guy. And then I also want to pose a question to you guys. I picked Nick Solak. He actually is with the Cincinnati Reds, which I didn't know until a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think he was just recently signed. I, for his career, a 252 hitter in his last uh, few minor league seasons. He's consistently posted an OPS of 860 or higher over his last three minor league seasons. Uh, you know, Cincinnati Reds, great American small park, get some playing time. They, they already talked about him playing over Nick Senzel, because uh, Nick Senzel can't even stay. He's If you're talking about someone getting hurt, that's that's – you're looking in the dictionary. That's that's who's going to be there. Um, I think he might be worth a dart throw. But if I'm redoing my pick, Jason Hayward's kind of intriguing. Who goes right after him? He actually is trying to break camp with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Freddie Freeman was advocating for him and said he's worked on uh, some swing changes. I think it's it's something about shortening his swing to get the ball or bat through the zone a little bit quicker. And the Dodgers need some players to step up. The fact that Freddie Freeman was talking about changes he was making, the Dodgers working strange magic on things. Is is Freddie or is a uh, Jason Hayward at outfielder 165, pick 733? Is he going to make any of your guys' teams? No. <laughs> I'll take a chance. He yeah, hits one home run in spring training. Everybody's freaking out. It's <laughs> and that was even spring training. Like, if, the, home run. if the Dodgers fix him after the Cubs contract. I'm going to be ticked off. That's what I'll say. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Reds outfield. I like Will Benson a lot in this range too. I think that yeah. he's another rookie that uh, you talk about. Great American Small Park. He cut his his cut his strikeout percentage a ton last year. I think he's a really interesting guy too. Yeah, Will Benson, I believe goes yeah, one outfield at one fifty one. Yep. So yeah, another great target. I think a lot of people are going to be drafting a lot of Reds, just hoping that they get the. Yeah. Uh, the Brandon Drury type of effect. You come to Cincinnati, you have your career year, and uh, you get the, the the draft value from these guys. And you so, get rewarded by being traded. That's right. That's right. And then, and then sucking, and then Art talks about drafting you next season. Art, <laughs> uh, right, let's go back ah. to you. <laughs> there is, I love the delayed reactions. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I'm going to talk about Michael A. Taylor. Uh, when all are healthy in, in Minnesota, t- Michael, Ta- Michael A. Taylor is a bench bat. I'll tell you the ways I see him getting in. He's going to platoon versus lefties. Uh, if Gallo or Kepler play poorly, his defense could get him on the field and also to give Buxton rest and also for Buxton injuries. And that's pretty much why they got him. Now, when he went to Kansas City, his home runs per fly ball dropped a lot from his Washington days. But he's also a career 324 Babbitt. So I'm not going to say, oh, wow, his his power is going to jump up because he's out of Kansas City. But you can rely on about a league average batting average and uh, and and decent pop. Not 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 plus pop, but decent pop. It's not empty, empty bats totally. And uh, given the fact that he could end up with over 400 plate appearance in 15, I think it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good uh, late late draft pick. Yeah. And the fact that he's so good defensively, he'll get in the lineup. Twins have Joey Gallo out there, far from a guarantee. Byron Buxton, far from a guarantee. Alex Kirilov, who's going to shift over to first base now, is is one less outfielder in the mix. There's definitely chances Michael A. Taylor plays a lot more than you think, so I think that's a good call with him there, LC. Doc, 
your last pick here, Joey Weimer. Talk to us about why. I'm going to give our guys that the fantasy baseball beat a shout out when they had uh, Kurt Hogg on and always good to listen to beat writers. They give you the inside. He, Craig Mish from the Marlins had mentioned if ECL Garcia showed up fat. I now know more about him uh, <laughs> after tonight, the, the, the hat trick of mentioning him. But I looked at his uh, double and triple A in 2022, 21 homers, 31 stolen bases, and 127 games. And when you look at that Brewers outfield situation, Kristen Yelich hasn't been healthy uh, for most of his time since his MVP season. Jesse Winker had neck surgery. And uh, Kurt had mentioned that they kind of like Tyrone Taylor being that fourth outfielder that if they really felt that he was an everyday player, that they wouldn't have, you know, kind of, or he would have earned a spot by now. So just kind of a dart throw, somebody I took in our triple players ball, um, but maybe somebody that makes an impact later in the season. Damn, he was, right. 20, he was 21-31 last year. Wow. Was he yeah, really? Like yeah, 21 home runs, 31 steals. And 127 games. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Nice call. Nice target there, Doc. Thank you. Marty, Zach Veen, I love your pick here. He was in cons- under consideration for me, uh, but I already it, had two rookies. I didn't want to do it. It's one. a dart throw, man. There's no more. There's no bigger dart throw than Zach Veen. He may, he probably won't come up, but it is the Rockies. Um, they don't ever know what they're doing. He's, <laughs> he's been slated to come up in 2024, but you, if you could see an injury, you know, I mean, Charlie Blackman's <laughs> out there and out in the outfield. He, maybe he could play some DH gets called up like mid season. Chris Bryant's been getting hurt a lot. Um, uh, Daza, does, is it Daza? Or Jonathan Daza. Daza. Yeah, I mean, what are we, who are we talking about? So it, it, it's a matter of time before Veen comes up. Hopefully, he struggled a lot last year, but the year before that, he looked really good. So as a as a as a young player, will he's he's uh, earning his licks down there, and hey, we could see him mid season. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, the better chance he's probably twenty twenty four, but you can take him where he's going right now at the pick seven fifteen is one of the last picks in your uh, best ball drafts or I'm sorry, in your, your DC drafts. And you know, if he gets, if he gets called up and produces maybe like an August call up, you know, yeah. he just last month and a half going against, you know, everyone's fourth, fifth, sixth starters in Colorado could be worse. Definitely give you steals too, which um, 50, 55 steals last year. Yeah. So it'll definitely help you on the stolen base front. If he does get the call there, uh, but that will do it. We talked about goodness gracious, over 20 players tonight. So there's a lot of different players you can kind of think in your mind when you're doing these drafts. This is a deeper range of outfield again. So when you're getting in that point in your draft, if, if you slept on the position and you need some later round guys, or you're just looking to stack your depth, there were a lot of good players talked about in this range tonight to consider. Uh, but on that note, Scott, thank you so much for joining the show, hanging with us tonight. It's always fun having you. Please plug all the great work you do where people can find you and all of the stuff you got going on. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I love your guys' show. You guys seem to have more fun than anybody that does this. So that's uh, that's really important. And like people get so serious about the stuff. And so we should be having fun. So I really love your guys' show. So um, that's why I said yes to come on. So I appreciate you inviting me. It was, it was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Scott Jensta. Jensta's J-E-N-S-T-A-D. Luckily, I will not be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows. Hopefully, never again. So you don't have to worry about that on there because I'm anymore. Um, but other than that, we'll be talking a lot of baseball here coming up the next uh, next few months. I'm in then uh, Sunday nights. 
Monday morning, people on the East Coast, I do the uh, Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast with Jeff Erickson. We do a, we'll do a lot of a lot of draft talk coming up the next couple of months. We did, uh, we're doing uh, late starters on Sunday night. We're talking about uh, starters after pick, pick two fifty. We'll kind of break down every range of the draft. We'll do uh, all kinds of category targets. Then in March, we'll do a, mm-hmm. we'll do a, I'll do our fade episode. We'll do a my guys episode, all our targets. So a lot of uh, hopefully valuable drafts up there, kind of leading into a lot of the big drafts in late late March. Scott works so incredibly hard. He is incredibly knowledgeable. And I'm sure everybody knows who Scott Genstad is that's watching this show because, again, doing all the amazing things he does with Rotowire. But please, just you guys got to make sure you guys check out the Rotowire pod. You guys got to make sure you follow Scott on Twitter. He just does so much great work. And he's honestly one of our favorite people to have on the show. I'm pissed at myself that it took us this long to have you back on. <laughs> uh, and I, I definitely can't wait as long next time. Because uh, you're one of our favorite people, and we love all the work that you do. So thanks, thank you again for hanging with us. It's nice of you to say. I have a, I have a good time with you guys, so it's fun. I, it's nice of you to say that. Of course, and um, of course for everybody else here, Elsie, Doc, Marty, Party, you guys already know anything. Anything you guys want to? Is there anything you want to plug or anything uh, you guys want to say before we log Triple off for the night? Players ball, League Four. Get in while you can, baby. It's getting hot. That's Almost right, League Four. Third, we filled up the third, the third league. Now it's the fourth. It's uh, that's sixty players, right? We're almost there. Yeah, we'll get sixty players this year. Uh, league four now has five people in. Uh, five joined today, so ten more spots open. Uh, and then league four is going to be it. We're going to cut it at sixty this year. So if you want to get in, get one of those last ten spots. Uh, and I believe there was one thing else I was going to promote. Um, I might, Doc. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. Well, they we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns, right, David? There you go. And then you said it. I didn't have to say it. Uh, on that note, for Scott, for Elsie, for Doc, for Marty Party, I'm D-Mendy. Doc already said Use code TRIPLE from our partner, Underdog Fantasy. And they'll double your first deposit match up to $100. 